A pleasant good day to all. You are listening to another episode of Gals, hosted by a gal, but I can't speak for all gals. This is a podcast brought to you by 10th Year Seniors. I am your host, Mando, and today I have a, every every week I have a special guest. So just, that's the thing. Every week I'm going to have a special guest in the gal cave, and this week I have... Micah. <laughs> Micah Smith. <laughs> If y'all don't know, what what else would they know you as? Oh, like, Bahama Hoopyogi. Yes. <laughs> if y'all remember a few, I want to say last year, last year we did a video trying to mimic some of Micah's moves <laughs> as as best as possible. And it's up on our Instagram if you guys want to see it. Just a little caveat so people can be aware. Micah is one of the guests that I've known before filming like before I record and I do already know Micah personally we are cool we do hang out we have hung out before yeah. Micah thank you so much for coming thanks for having I'm me I'm so excited <laughs> I can't believe I've never had you on so Bahama Hoopyogi yeah how did you get into yoga like how did this how did this start so back in 2014 my aunt passed away Mm-hmm. Uh, from lymphoma and so let's say she died on a wednesday mm-hmm. her funeral was like the following friday and mm-hmm. then the sunday right after the funeral i was on my way back to school like by myself now keeping in mind this lady was like my second parent because mm-hmm. my dad wasn't really around so when i went to college she took me m- important events anything in life mm-hmm. like that she was always there so i took it really hard uh, me and my mom were her primary caregivers as well. Oh, she was sick. She was sick, yeah. Mm-hmm. She had lymphoma. So okay. she passed in January. I went back to school. And then, like, the so the fall before that, I had gotten diagnosed with SADS, which is, like, seasonal depression. Okay. So I was just, like, I was just noticing towards the end of the year, like, I feel really sad. But, like, I was, like, I don't really have a per se a reason to be you mm-hmm. know super sad my aunt was sick that was upsetting but like the way i was feeling i was like this is a new feeling this is past grief yeah so that that happened so when i went back to school like it was the data winter and i was just really having a rough time um i was it was notable the rough time I was having. So mm-hmm. one of my teachers, she pulled me aside and she um, helped me sign up for the counseling center. Mm-hmm. And so I started going there. And at this time, like I wasn't eating. I'd lost a bunch of weight. Um, I was like not drinking because mm-hmm. I just didn't have any kind of sensation. So I wasn't feeling hungry or thirsty. Mm-hmm. So I was like getting drips every couple of days, that kind of thing. It was just like a really bad time. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing therapy. And so I was doing cognitive behavioral therapy. And that was not targeting the suicidal thoughts that I was having at the time. Mm-hmm. And so 
we started to do like different kinds of mindfulness techniques and different kinds of meditation. And so one day we did this body scan thing and like maybe like 30 minutes after. So we would do the techniques before and then have like a talk therapy after. And so like 30 minutes into the session after we had done the exercise, I was like, hey, you think I get some water? She's like, are you thirsty? I was like, yeah. And so for the first time, I was I was able to... The exercise I was doing was yoga? No, so it was a... So yoga is more than just, like, the physical postures, oh, right? okay, gotcha, gotcha, So gotcha. let's start with that. So yoga has eight limbs, and it ranges from everything to sensory deprivation to absolute bliss to meditation okay so you was doing yoga just not what people think yoga is. right so what i was doing the body scan was more like um sensory mm -hmm. deprivation sensory transfer like awareness transfer in your body so she would tell you to like you would lay there she would guide you it was like a guided meditation mm -hmm. and so she would just take you through different parts of your body and you could actually like as she was saying and you could feel so we did like yoga nidra which actually has been scientifically proven, so there are a lot of articles written on it, mental health articles, where it's aided people with PTSD, mm -hmm. um, people with bipolar disorder, um, people who have anxiety, depression, all these things. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's really beneficial in a lot of those ways. So she was using these techniques. So at that time, I was only doing like the meditation part of it. And so one of my friends, he was like, oh, well, if you like the meditation so much, you should try the like, Asana classes at the gym. Now, that was a whole different level because mm -hmm. it was like when my aunt died, I started getting these like intense chest pains. Like my mm -hmm. chest would just close down. And I went to this class and like we did this one posture uh, over some blocks. We were just like kind of laying there. It's called heart bench. And we were doing that posture, and I just felt like my chest pop open. Mm -hmm. And then my eyes just started leaking. I wasn't actively crying. Like, I wasn't aware of, uh, that I was crying. I just felt like all the tears just pouring down mm -hmm. my face. And then, like, maybe, like, five minutes later, I just started, like, needing to scream. So I got up and I left the not, class. Not you ready to scream down the place, girl. It was so bad because at that point, like, I was just. This was after you did finally ask for some water in the class. In the other class. Yes. Okay. So, okay. so it ahead. was like a process, right? Mm -hmm. And so I started doing the classes and like the first three classes, I was in there like bawling, just bawling my eyes out. And it just, it was, it didn't feel like forced or anything. It just felt so natural, like such a nice release mm -hmm. from everything that I've been repressing. Because mind you, I in school by myself and it's like to explain all of this to somebody, it wasn't really worth it. You know what I yeah. mean? And I go to, I was going to a PWI. Mm -hmm. I, the only other person now who remotely knew my aunt was, like, my friend who I went to primary school with, so he, like, knew my family, but mm -hmm. he was the only other person. But at the same time, it's like, it's your thing, and it's not fair to burden people with that. Then at the same time, I have my mommy at home. She just lost a sister. She's struggling. Mm -hmm. She don't really need to know what I deal with because that can only make her worry more. And so it's just like I was just in such isolation that mm -hmm. I was holding so much in that I didn't even really understand the connection between my mind and my body and how disassociated I was and, mm -hmm. like, how dangerous that was for my overall health. And so I started doing yoga, like, every single day. And like that was six, in 2014. That was in 2014 when that started. been doing yoga for, like, eight years. That's yeah. eight? Mm -hmm. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah, that's eight, yeah. eight years. Okay. So you said you were in school. Oh, for those of you that don't know, a PWI is a predominantly white oh, institution. Oh, sorry about that. 
So she was in school with a, a whole heap of Caucasians. So my cousin came to visit. She's like, I feel like a uh, fly in the milk. Real, real. Be- been there, sis. <laughs> Been there. Yeah. So. so you was already in school. So yoga wasn't the plan A. No, it wasn't. So what, what was plan A? What was the so initial? Initial plan A was med school. Oh, oh. Yeah. You had a plan plan. Yeah, but then that the quickly evaporated when I went one summer and I did like this immersion thing and we went mm-hmm. to like the University of Wisconsin. It was like poking hearts and like looking at cadavers and stuff and I was just like this ain't gonna work this is not it and then it was like now just think about this stuff drenched in blood I was like I'm so good on that <laughs> I'm gonna okay so by the time you get to the cadavers you had already started yoga no 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 this is like in high school oh so you know like when you take the PSAT mm-hmm. and then they invite you to these mm-hmm. conferences so I went to like the global young leaders conference the forum on medicine because mm-hmm. at this point I was convinced Madison. So you so you knew that in high school. So when you went to college, what you were studying? If so you by that time, so I, this is before I joined JA when I did this, right? Or what you just grade ten? You do that. So I just joined JA. Okay. So that started put me like the business mindset. Okay. So when I went to school, I went to school for international business and okay. Spanish. Because I took a gap year, and I lived in Costa Rica, mm-hmm. and I went to language school. So when I came, when I went to university, I was already fluent in Spanish. Okay, and you're still fluent now? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so international business was the plan. That was the plan. So you fell in love with yoga? N- not even. It's so, it's so weird. Because so, <laughs> my next question was going to be, so how did you know yoga was your, like, I was like, how do you know it was your thing? But how did you know? Yeah, that's my thing, and I really like it. But this could actually be my life. This so could I actually me. changed. So I changed my major like three three times, oh. and I was like seriously changing my major. Like I had enough classes in some of them to get like minors. Mm-hmm. So like I have a minor in business because mm-hmm. I had taken so many okay. business classes up to that point. So yeah, I switched, and then I switched to sociology. And so I was doing sociology and Spanish. And then I okay. dropped Spanish and I did sociology and history. Okay. So I ended up doing, getting my undergrad in sociology and history. Um, and then I... It's giving Lynn from girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she went to school for all them things. And she was like quite qualified, but she does just like free as a bird. <laughs> it's giving Lynn. <laughs> yeah. And so after that... Um, my advisor, she was like, well, you know, you can't do much with uh, undergrad in sociology. You need to try and find like a master's program. So my school had like a master's program that I could easily get into because I had good grades. The teachers knew me. Mm-hmm. So I applied. I got in. Um, and it was like a two year program. And I did it in like one and a half, which mm-hmm. was crazy on my end. because It was really stressful. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, so I ended up getting my master's in nonprofit management and developmental child psych. Okay. And so I, because of everything that had happened with me and yoga and all that stuff and how it like transformed me, I was like, I need to figure out like how this can, because you have to pick a concentration within your like degree. Okay. So I targeted all of my research towards mindfulness. Mm-hmm. particularly as an alternative to people who are predisposed. So, like, people who are predisposed to schizophrenia, mm-hmm. if their parents have bipolar or whatever, and putting them on medication early mm-hmm. would, like, give them early onset of the disease, mm-hmm. um, of the illness, 
we I looked at like meditation, yoga, mindfulness. You know, Micah getting a master's in yoga, honey. Well, it's it's it was a concentration in mindfulness. Not Micah writing a paper on yoga, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Not Micah concentrating on yoga, honey. He's so silly. Yeah, so um, I just did a whole lot of research, and I wrote my thesis about how yoga, particularly Hatha yoga, was beneficial um, to like mitigate high risk uh, the effects of like the effects of high risk communities. Mm -hmm. So like um, exposure longitudinal exposure to violence like kids who grow up in inner city areas mm -hmm. like how yoga could help actually mitigate some of the factors how mindfulness can actually help rewire the brain because your different parts of your brain activate when you meditate okay so it uh, releases dopamine and serotonin and you can actually heal parts of your brain through meditation and through breath work because when you do different types of pranayama breath work, you increase the levels of oxygen in your body. Girl, that lady on, on YouTube who I be watching, she be like, <laughs> and I just be like, man, Adrian, I'm tired. I just want to do a little stretch and get my mic. But she have like videos dedicated to that, to the breathing. Because but now that so you important. say that, oh, okay, so I should take him on seriously. Yeah, because I mean, your, your body runs okay. on oxygen. Like I'd be so hard, she'd be hitting her stomach. So I'd be like, no, hold on. I just come to do a little, little down with stuff and listen stuff. Mine come to carry on. But now that, now that you say that, I'll probably take no, yeah, it's, those it's, videos or those portions of the videos. And more it, serious, some of the, they're beneficial. Yeah, and okay. some of the breath work, right? It's like really weird. Like they have buzzing and like different noises and stuff. Like it, so I don't be into that. But if you take it seriously, it's really, because all it is, right? Like, Medically speaking, mm -hmm. you have your vagus nerve, mm -hmm. and that is like connected to your parasympathetic nervous system. So if you think about the life we live, we always in flight or fright, mm -hmm. flight or fight. I know what you mean. So doctor girls tap in. You have me talking about the nerves. Why are you killing me? Um, but yeah, so we live like in this state of hyper arousal. So what that okay. does is it causes cortisol is a stress hormone. Okay. And so it causes our body to constantly be emitting cortisol. And cortisol is important. It's an hor a hormone in our body. We when we wake up in the morning, it gives us that initial burst so we could get a when we need to get the hell out. Mm -hmm. It arms up so we get the hell out. Okay. You see what I'm saying? So it's it's a, it's very vital. But when we have it on a consistent basis it wears on our body right like so you know you have your dna and at mm -hmm. the end of your dna you got these little strings mm -hmm. called telomeres so when you have a constant release of cortisol it actually shortens your telomeres over time right mm -hmm. so your telomeres are like correlated with your life expectancy so okay. the longer they are the longer they are the longer you're expected to live and the shorter they are right so this Sorry, can I cut something? Yeah. This shit actually, like, cutting off your life. Like, okay. this is... So it's super important to calm your parasympathetic nervous system. People who suffer from anxiety and insomnia, um, hyper-reactive, all of these kinds of people, like, breath work is how you gain insight. So I always tell people, our breath is the insight to our emotions because before anything happens, when you have a change in your emotional state, the first thing that changes is your breath. Mm -hmm. Even if you're excited, when you're crying, when you're upset, when you're happy, your breath changes. And so understanding that and being able to control your breath mm -hmm. really gives you the power to control your emotions. Okay. 
So let's go and back to you like doing control stress. Sorry. The, the ceases concentration. So you did that. I'm assuming you finished that. Yeah, and then I came home and I started working for a children's nonprofit. It was a perfect job, but then I started to hate it. Okay, um, classic. Happens <laughs> to the best of us. But unlike the best of us who would probably stick with our job because our parents paid all our money to put us through school. Sorry to hear that. I quit. My I stick job. to the school. That's that's where your money is. I, I stick quit. to the school. I quit. Why did you? What made you start to hate it? Um, in can't, short, I can't, I can't, you can't say, go into no details. No, right. But a project manager is a project manager, right? Right. And if you work for a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. No matter who is paying what, mm-hmm. your obligation is always to the mission of the nonprofit. Okay. So, with that being said, I quit. Because okay. the reason I got into nonprofit work was so I wouldn't have to bow to the will of any corrupt organization. Okay. So, you, you know come there to work for the kids, and they was like, actually, it's for the dollar, hon. And you was like, oh, I'll be out. What's my pocket? How much? How much pension have I rocked up? None. Okay. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. I'll see y'all out. That's good. I okay. wish y'all all the best. So you quit the job. Quit the job. And then started teaching yoga in the gyms. Not mm. lucrative. Ah. Not lucrative at all. Struggling. Mm. Mom was hot like a six. I put you through school twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you could talk, but you teaching yoga in the gym and you still break. Mm. Okay. So now so, it's. Yeah, so I that that's when so I, you got into teaching not because you had like some random epiphany. You just was like, I know for sure this dream job that I thought was a dream job, this ain't it. So I need something, and I'm already good at believing. I'm right, well, I'm well versed in. Right, so okay. I, I for, at this point I I started teaching, but I wasn't certified. So okay, I was um, Theo had Wolf Club Fitness. I was mm-hmm. teaching there. And then I was advised that I should quit teaching until I got certified. So I talked so to So you could get more money? Um, just for the safety of the students as well, and I could oh, understand Louise. better. Not Micah teaching off the fly. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, I was pretty good at it, though. Clearly. Not going to lie. Okay. So then I stopped. So I taught maybe like a month of classes, and then mm-hmm. I stopped. And I went to Mexico. Um Shout out my mommy. Okay. <laughs> she definitely funded that as well. Shout out Mama Hoop Yogi. <laughs> Shout out Mama. <laughs> okay, girl. Yes, that's what we call her from now on, Mama mm-hmm. Hoop Yogi. But yeah, she um, was like, let's do it. So I found a teacher training. I went for a month <laughs> to Mexico mm-hmm. in the jungle and I did my training. Uh, it was very intense. Nothing that I expected. Like, by, like, that fourth day, I was deep within the bowels of my soul, grappling with inner questions And you still had 26 more days ago? <laughs> Y'all, let's play rough, boy. Crying. I mean, because, okay, the thing is, right, this is bringing you to the brink of yourself physically, because you have to understand the postures and how to teach them. So you have mm. to physically do them every day. So this you can't just a, show people. You have to teach people. See? Right. Okay. So this teacher, he had been teaching for 40 years, and he was an Ashtangi. So this Ashtanga is one of the oldest styles of yoga. Okay. And it's very rigid, and it has three sequences, and you don't go past one posture until you get the first one. Okay. So you begin. When you come there, 
you don't do anything for the first few days except 108 sun salutations. Now, sun salutations consist of fo- lifting up, folding forward, mm-hmm. halfway lift, fold again, high plank or to chaturanga, mm-hmm. then up dog, down dog, another forward fold, mm-hmm. you reach up. So you have about 10 mm-hmm. postures. So that's a sun salutation? I mean, I used to be doing yoga in my front room and I angle Sometimes I think Adrian winging it. I angle Sun salutation like, A. Yeah. But just how you call it off. I mean, some, listen, when she be like halfway, I used to be like, all right now. But obviously it's an important part of the, okay, you making me believe in Adrian now. Because <laughs> she used to be doing her thing. And sometimes I used to be like, mom, why be doing this half thing? Da, 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 da. But yeah. just the sequence you call it off in. That's how she is doing. Yeah. So that's on purpose. Yeah, yeah. So that's sun salutation A. And so, yeah, you have to do those 10 postures 108 mm-hmm. times every morning. Mm-hmm. So if if you know you slow, mm-hmm. you got to wake up. Because after that, we do our morning meditation. So you got to wake up. However, so like one girl, she was like practicing for ever before she came there she was like coming from a super strong tradition rocket yoga which is based in ashtanga so like she was super strong super okay. strong so she was waking up like 45 minutes before meditation mm-hmm. whipping them out like super fast okay then there's me mm-hmm. i was like practicing but I wasn't doing 108 cents. So you underestimated what your certification would be. Oh, yeah, absolutely, 100%. But by day 30, we got to skip ahead now. By day 30, By day 30, I was it. a different person. Oh, okay. By day 30, I was physically stronger. I had way more clarity about, like, myself as a person. Mm-hmm. And I had, I felt like I had somewhat been able to decipher my own voice from all the other noise of like when I was growing up and what people like Mm -hmm. the expectations people put on me which was the beginning of like my whole journey like to this point okay so you did your 30 days you got certified you came back did you go back to the same gym or what happened I went back well I went back to that same gym and then I just started trying to get in other gyms so I was like teaching at club one Mm -hmm. I was teaching at Gemini I was teaching at uh, J-Line just so the first time you got paid for yoga was when you was te- was before you got certified. That was when you were teaching at the gym, right? But not a livable wage. So yeah. I wouldn't even say I wouldn't even say I, I was getting paid. So I know that you now, if you don't follow her on Instagram, you should Bahama Hoop Yogi. Um, you travel to teach yoga. People mm-hmm. people request that. Where has been your favorite place to go? Like, what has been the best travel for you to teach yoga? Not like just vacation. Like, what's been your, like, fave? Honestly, um, to Luther. Really? Mm-hmm. Why was it, why was it your fave? Because. Was this recently or? Yeah, so this is this, okay. this year in March. Um, this company, shout out Helios Retreats. They mm-hmm. just won the award in the UK for best wellness retreat mm-hmm. and destination retreat company. So, yeah, it was just. It was very exciting to see that, A, people want to come in our country and use Mm -hmm. our talent. So that was exciting. Yeah. And B, like, that they found me and were so, like, hyped to have me. Mm -hmm. Like, I knew about them Mm -hmm. long, like, at least, like, three years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And the fact that they reach out to me, like, and it was so funny because I saw that they were coming to the Bahamas and I was like, I could just reach out to them. And, and the same time, like the same day that I had sent them an email, I went on Instagram. I saw where they had messaged me like a couple hours before. Oh. And so I was just like super hype about right. that. And then like the whole experience was just great. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. Like working with the group of ladies that was there, the team that was there, it was just like a really nice experience. Okay, so what was your least favorite place? Like least favorite yoga trip? I don't have one. So they were all good. They were all great. For the girls that live under a rock, tell them the places that you've been to to teach yoga. Well, it's not when the people say, "Oh, she only stays around a different family island." First of all, the family islands are great. Yeah, but Mike is international on. <laughs> So, so tell the girls what so you're speaking to so they don't mix it up with I have, so far, I have taught in um, Exuma, mm -hmm. Eleuthera, um, Ibiza, Spain, mm -hmm. and Albufera, Portugal. Okay. So um, the other company I work for, but also like, I like that. I like that because of the story around it. What the Portugal? I, no, the the Eleuthera one. Mm -hmm. And just like, but my, I guess the retreats that I love the most and I have the most fun at mm -hmm. are definitely like the hoop experience. So I work with this lady, this black lady. Her name is Joy Dean. We met um, on Instagram around the time that George Floyd was killed, mm -hmm. and like it really put a light on the disparity. Um, of black, like between everybody else and black people mm -hmm. in every aspect. So mm -hmm. like on the yoga side, like people were going crazy. Like not the yogis yeah, striking. Like, yeah. Then also oh like the flow artist community started getting the flow them. artists, the hoop girls. Right, the hoop girlies, okay. the poi girlies, the mm -hmm. the girlies with the props. Okay. Everybody. The what what you call them when they in the scarf? Props. Oh, oh, aerial yoga. Yeah. Damn so Are they free, free flowing? Things? Yeah, so okay. they all fall under flow. Okay. Wait, so where have you been to, to, to teach the hoop girls? So that's uh, the where I also teach yoga. So okay. this company, the Hoop Experience, this lady, Joy Dean, she's like a big shot in advertising, um, works for like a, a multinational corporation. But her pot, this is like her side passion project, right? But like she's be pumping everything into it. Okay. So sh I linked up with her because somebody made a group for all the black hoopers. Mm hmm. And we connected through there. And then we did uh, all black on virtual yoga teacher training. Mm hmm. And she was like the group leader for her area. And I was one of the group leaders from my area. So we like, and then they put each group leader with another person as their mentor and so she ended up like being in my same category and we just like really connected okay and so afterwards she was like yeah i have these retreats i want you to come out to ibiza so i was like okay the dates kept getting pushed back and changing mm -hmm. and changing so she's like all right ready to book this ticket and i was like okay, oh when and so she was like october i was like okay cool i'm coming so i went in october um taught at the retreat and a couple of things fell through and I was able to like help out seamlessly and she really liked that. So she was like, I'm gonna pay you more money for this uh, retreat and I wanna so That's what we love to hell. And I wanna hire you to work for my company. She's like, I wanna make you the resident yoga instructor for my company. I was like, Okay, so what does that mean? She's like, Well, if we have retreats You can come and you can teach the girls. That's so it. speaking of teaching, I know teachers have like their favorite kind of student, their least kind of their least favorite kind of student, mm -hmm. stuff like that. What 
What is like the worst kind of yoga? So now what makes a student not ideal for yoga? I think people think that that person exists and they don't. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. So like, all the students, y'all like all. I like all. I feel as though people could come to my class and they could be a beginner yogi or a super seasoned yogi and mm-hmm. still get the benefits. They'll get something out of it. Right. Okay, so what are the, what are the downsides of being... A yoga instructor, a, a yoga instructor in the Bahamas. Um. So you make like, so. Uh, this is what I. So when I first started teaching, I had this idea of what it would be like. Mm-hmm. Um, like working in the gyms, like I would have all these classes and all these students, and people are really inconsistent. And yoga, truly, at its core is difficult because it brings you to the edge of yourself in every single way. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people say, I don't like yoga. A lot of people, let's go for, I really can't sit with myself in silence Correct. and listen to all the inner noise mm-hmm. because I have no idea how to silence it. And so for a lot of people, yoga is daunting in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, there's also the flexibility, right? So people go on my Instagram and they're like, oh, I can't do that. I was like, when I was in your position, I could not either. So Mm -hmm. I don't have that expectation of you. My job as a good teacher is to help you get where you can go and give you the tools so you can keep progressing. Okay. So the downside is like it's difficult to find consistent students. Right. Right. But So you kind of have to adapt your business model to where you're at. Okay, gotcha. Right? So, like, now it's trying to get into, like, places that want yoga as an amenity. So, like, getting into the hotels Mm -hmm. or getting into member-only places. Mm -hmm. So, like, for example, I teach at Island House. It's a members and guests-only place. They want to have yoga there, and they want to have different kinds of yoga. So, they have several different yoga teachers there. Mm -hmm. So, there's, like, Megan Gill. She does aerial yoga there. Um, There's another girl. She does, like... Like a hit yoga class, Brittany, and then I do like vinyasa and slow flow. Mm-hmm. So it's like more like you know. So what's the ultimate goal for you? What would be um, like the ultimate yoga instructor or micro yoga instructor goal? I don't know. Like I just feel as though because I also have like my other company, my herbal company, mm-hmm. um, and Last like, Island Gal, Last right? Island Gal, right. right? And so y'all can follow that on Instagram. <clears throat> yeah, and so. I really don't know what the final goal is, but like I just like how all my interests just seem to like seamlessly merge together. Mm-hmm. Because like for this last retreat, I also made like goodie like little herbal sprays, little sample stuff. Yeah, for the well, no, she bought like stuff for me to put oh, in the goodie okay, bag, got right? You. Instead of having like to find somebody to do it, I just made these things for her, and she put mm-hmm. it in the goodie bag. So like, but girl, what all you make? So I make like, I make all kinds, so I'm, I'm an herbalist, right? So we could get on the phone and do a consultation and I can make you like drinks and creams or whatever specific mm-hmm. just for you. But aside from that, my main products are body polish, mm-hmm. which has like all Bahamian natural ingredients. I got some honey, aloe, sea salt, all the good stuff. Um, I make body creams, um, which are kind of like body butters, but they I actually incorporate like floral water so it absorbs into your skin better. Okay. Um, I make like different herbal oils. I make yoni steams. Yoni steams are the things that go in your cooch, right? They don't actually go in your cooch. What is me? You squat over it. Oh, that's the steam thing. Yeah, you think about yoni pearls. Ah. I don't really do. Okay, any, got you, got I don't you, do got the you. Search and being on the end. 
insertion. Okay, got you, got you. So Last Island gals, whatever they want, they could call and y'all can discuss. Right. And you exactly. Can... So I work with like men who have erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. I work with women who have PCOS. Mm-hmm. Like I got a little something for everybody. And you'll be helping people. Like they be coming back and being like, yeah, Micah, I, this was so I, helpful. I have a whole. I got a whole tree babies under my belt. <laughs> not baby that's good though that's good though because that's like the ultimate like nobody could take that from you because these children walk around because they want me drink my juice so what y'all could do it's for that such a great, I, I like you like what the man named grumpy is who is through the, the tea for the people who want to get uh, pregnant yeah. you like yeah, come on miss grumpy <laughs> i like that's good. I did not know that. I knew that you did like the body polishes and stuff like that, but I didn't know. Yeah, that's know. like my first love. Mm-hmm. Like how, like doing the consultations, like building relationships with people. I really enjoy that. Oh, that's so good. I'm yeah, so proud so, of you. Uh, that's, uh, that's why I'm saying like, I know for me, the ultimate goal is for people to feel at home in their bodies and mm. comfortable and free. And so whatever tools aid me toward that end, that's what I want. Okay. So, like, at these retreats, like, now I, I taught a whining class at this retreat. Mm-hmm. And these are, like, European women who don't even understand that their tailbone can move like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and you have women, like, crying because it's the first time ever that they... We take it for granted. Like, I really realized that on this trip. We mm-hmm. take it for granted that we know how to move that part of our body. Mm-hmm. And we take for granted the freedom that that gives us in our bodies as women. Not the Europeans being prisoners because they got wine. Seriously. That's insane. But that, I mean, but I'm glad that they now can have that. Yo, I go walk into their in next row, phase of life whining. She, this white girl, she was just like, I can't, this German lady, she's like, I can't, I can't stop whining. No, miss. <laughs> no, you have to stop. She was like, I can't stop. Cause now we moving into we moving into inappropriate territory, sis. You got you got to chill out. But that that's that's really good. I'm really proud of you, Michael. You guys, Thank like you. I said, Bahama Hubiogi on Instagram and the Last Island Gal. So let's touch a little bit on our topic with the time we have left. I wanted to talk yes. to Micah about letting go of childhood idealistic ideas. So I had a list here, but I think in the interest of time, let's just go with the one thing. You as a child had an idea about or you were taught about. And as you grew up, you were just like, no, this ain't, this ain't how it look. And this ain't how it go. So for me, I think it was work and career. Because they always made it seem like once you know what you want to do, you go to school, you finish school, you go to work, you make your money, you advance. You, you know, you live a happy life. Nobody told me I was going to go on this job or go on any job and, and, and a man was going to make more than me. Nobody told me I would, I would walk on a job on my Caribbean island and a woman would look me dead in my eye because I'm young and say, you're qualified for this job, but why don't you start lower and work your way up? Like, what you mean, miss? Y'all say go to school and get the paper. And I go on and I do that. And now I hear and y'all telling me. Otherwise. Right. Nobody. Wait. Nobody said, yeah, you could go to college and get your degree. But first of all, there's no guarantee you could get that. Because that takes four years. Colleges colleges operate differently. You don't always finish in that same amount of time. You just change your mind. To, like, nobody told me that it wasn't a seamless transition. Yeah, they tell you college different from high school and work different from college. But nobody said, like, yeah, but when you get in the workforce, you have all of these obstacles 
to overcome before you actually outside of the work. Like you have to do the work, but there are like different personalities and all these different people. And as I got old, I just was like, oh my God, I think I hated it, but I'm sure. And also, I don't think anybody in school told us if you stay here, you ultimately limit quite a bit of your options. So for me, if you know me, you know that I don't work in the field that I studied. And people usually ask me like, oh, you know, why don't you work in law? Um, da, 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 why don't you sit the bar? What I want to do doesn't require me to sit the bar. But nobody told me that what I want to do isn't a thing here, that people don't utilize um, not taking children um, into court or not. Nobody utilizes making healthy decisions outside of court for children and family. They do it for businesses. But when it comes to kids and family, that's like not, not a priority. <clears throat> right. So I was just like, hold on. I go on to school. I picked what would be perfect for me. Studied it. I have my degree. I come home. And now you telling me I have to push papers and argue in somebody caught for the rest of my life until my country come up to speed. And I was just like, I didn't know that. I didn't know y'all would not have what I wouldn't do. And now what? So that was my biggest, like, thing. Like, my biggest, like, oh, wow. I thought one thing as a child, and now I grow up. And like I said, I don't even work in my field no more. And in, in terms of elevating, now I have to, like, figure out how to maneuver in this completely different if I'm quite honest, uninteresting to me, field. Because if, if the field itself is uninteresting to me, that means I can't really elevate in, in the field, like do higher work. I have to focus my energy on being able to manage the people that do the higher work. Mm -hmm. So my job is going to move from what I'm doing now eventually to watching people. Which I team very closely to babysitting, but that's another story. But yeah, so it was like, oh wow, this is not this is not what they said it would be. Nobody told me it would be this hard. Mm -hmm. What was your biggest childhood expectation? And you grew up and you was just like, Oh, this ain't even what it is. I'd like to I'd like a refund. I think realizing that like the people that you grew up around and mm -hmm. the people that raised you aren't as perfect as you thought they were or as they portrayed themselves to be. Mm -hmm. So, like, I recently started therapy. Um, Again. Because hmm? then you say you was in therapy in, in college? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, so this is the next? Okay, So, got it. like, since I came home. Okay, gotcha. So I, um, I went back to therapy. Okay. And so I've been doing that now for, like, five months. And I came to realize that a lot of the things that I struggle with and the ideas that I had about myself came from my very perfect, like, upbringing that wasn't so perfect. And mm -hmm. so it took me a really long time to, A, wrap my mind around that and, B, not feel guilty for, like, realizing that it wasn't all great, even though people may have tried their best. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that's been really interesting for me. Like, coming to understand, like, the people, just because they were older than you didn't make them perfect. Right. And coming to realize that they're just as human as you are. Mm-hmm. So and had to make some tough decisions uh, yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. So, it's, I guess this, this phase of life, it's, like, it, it's really reshaping the way that I understand the people closest to me. 
Do you feel like it allows you to extend more grace to them, or do you feel like it makes you be like, wow, I actually hate you? So I feel like the initial brunt of like, wow, they ain't perfect, and they was trying to make me think they was perfect. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Like that, that was really a lot. But I think once I was able to get past that initially, like when I, that's why like the first few sessions of, of therapy was very difficult because I came to that realization really quickly mm. and I had to like kind of try to work. That they ain't perfect. Right. And not even that they're not perfect, but just kind of the anger of like, well, you were so hard on me, mm-hmm. but in actuality, like it was damaging in this way when you could have just like been honest or I don't know. It's just kind of reshaping. The whole idea. I often wonder if... So, Oh, sorry. So to answer your question, initially it was rough, but yes, it did give me a whole lot more space for grace because it oh, okay. also made me realize that I have difficult parts that people still deal with as well mm-hmm. because they love me. And so... Oh, so you realize my king and perfect either. Right. Okay, and gotcha. So, so that like... Not even realizing I was perfect, but that that I had all of these things that made me difficult as well. Mm. Not made me difficult, but all of these things that... All these imperfections. All these imperfections. And so, that I... I you know, you have the ones that you're aware of. Like, you know, mm-hmm. your physical ones that you hyperfixate on. Yes. But then there are ones like you... You're so unaware that you're even doing these things mm-hmm. until it's brought to your attention or you become aware of it somehow. But yeah, so it's given me way more space to be have grace with people, and I think it's made a lot of my relationships better. I think for me on on that topic, when I was younger, I was I was judgy, but I was like I gave this example to somebody at work before. I used to think my Grammy was so unnecessarily overprotective or so unnecessarily distrusting of men for for no apparent reason. So for example. I couldn't be left alone in the house with my stepdaddy until they were, until him and my mommy was married and until I was, you know, old enough to, to speak or, you know, whatever. And I always thought, like, you know, he's been around so long, that's so unnecessary, having to come way back around me house and da 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 And then I got older and I realized you can't trust people around your children. You have to really know someone and, and grow with them and you have to trust your gut. And so for me, what I thought was difficult was her saying, no, that man don't have no relation to you. He don't have no tie to you. He could do anything to you and you small. You can't do nothing about it. And you ain't here. If you here with me, I know I could do you nothing, but I don't know that man. And I realized as I got older that when I was younger, I wasn't left alone with any men Mm -hmm. that weren't related to me that like my family knew. So like my uncles and stuff. Yeah, but to talk about strange men, mm-hmm. like teachers and stuff, never. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that until I got older because I, y'all already know, I don't hate men, not a fan of the guys. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not a person that is automatically comfortable around strange men because I'm not used to it. Right. But now that I'm older, I realize, and I imagine my, coming from my Grammy them days, because obviously she's only live on the islands and we know that black families have a tendency to hide things or see things and know things and not do anything about it. So she must have seen or heard or experienced things. So when she was older, she was like, not them. Right. Not my children, not my grandchildren, because I know that men get away with these things. So in an effort to, I guess, be proactive, let me just keep them. Let me just make them safe. Let me just make sure they know, hey, 
You don't know that man. Don't say nowhere which, with him by yourself. Or, hey, this lady is a stranger. We don't know her. Mm-hmm. Tell us tell us everything. Someone say something to make you uncomfortable. Stuff like that. And I thought that was her being so overprotective. But now I'm older and I'm like, no, that could be me. Because mm-hmm. I don't. People wear it. Mm-hmm. And they even, in my opinion, wear it now. Yes. So I think now I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And then stuff with like, um, I was now, you know, like usually the people tell, you know, find a husband and, you know, have a family and have kids and da, da, da. I never really get that, that speech. And I thought I was like, I thought something was taken from me because I didn't really know how to in, entice a man or allure a man or whatever the case may be. Getting older now, I realized that the women in my family with husbands and without wanted me to be independent. They wanted me to have my worth in something that was just for me. They wanted someone not to be able to take something from me. So now that I'm an adult and, you know, I work and I have goals and I have a strong head on my shoulders, now they, but your boyfriend. Yeah. How, how are things going in that arena? But right. when I was younger, the focus was always Same. school and, Same. and, and career and being independent and making a way for yourself and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so I'm just like, oh, they love me down. They really, yeah, that's what they was trying to show me. And, and same thing with um, my male cousins. They was never very much, oh, well, your girlfriend, when you can bring someone home, da 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 All of us got, like, the same, go to school, do good in school, decide what you want to do, be, you know, have your extracurriculars. And I'm just like, oh, okay, so that's good. Because I used to be jealous of the people down to the TV or, like, the girls in school that, like, had boyfriends and, like, their parents knew and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Whereas... With my family, that wasn't something that was welcomed because it wasn't important. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, I guess it wasn't appropriate or whatever. But that's something that I, now that I'm older, I'm appreciative for it. Because mm-hmm. now, like I say, I'm maybe a little too independent. <laughs> Not very good at being um, a partner. But now I like have a strong head on my shoulders and I see people that didn't have that growing up and how that led to certain decisions and certain hardships. And I'm just like, Wow. They yeah. love me down. They yeah. really set me up. So that was that was a like a childhood idea where I was like kind of judgy, and now I'm just like, yeah, I know y'all know what y'all doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with you on that. My and as a result of that, now I I want kids so that I can recreate that for them because mm-hmm. I see what it looks like when you don't have that. Yeah, so I think I show a lot more grace now. I'm just like, oh, you guys. Y'all got it. I was throwing up gang signs. Y'all can't see. But yeah, that, that was a thing from childhood. I was like, okay, this makes this makes sense now. And I answer that. And I do tell them, you know, thank you. And I do yeah. tell them that I see in real life, in real time, between, you know, talking to friends and coworkers, I do see the value in what they gave us in terms of, like, mm-hmm. a close-knit family. And in terms of, like, not just, not just, like, having dinners, but also, like, talking and taking an active interest in, like, our life or how we decided to worship or just whatever, whatever extracurriculars taking an active interest in that and, and showing up and also teaching us don't ask nobody for nothing except us. Uh-huh. Like, and I always thought like, why if my friend want me one, give me da da da. But it was always a thing like, no, if you need something, we can get it. Don't teach nothing. And don't ask people for nothing. Now don't ask people for nothing. When you get older, that is a negative effect. Cause then, you don't let nobody do nothing for you. Right. So then you don't necessarily appreciate certain relationships because ain't nobody doing nothing for you. So you don't really see, for me at least, I didn't really see the nece- the necessity in keeping people, and by people I mean romantic um, romantic partners around because you don't do nothing for me. But then I had to realize 
if someone isn't doing for you, is it because they don't want to or they're not? Or are you actively blocking it? Are you like saying no? And girl, I used to be saying no. I mean, now my hand gonna be out. But before, like now that I realized, I used to be like, no, I got it. I would not say if I need or I would keep people, partners at like a, a certain distance so that they couldn't help me because they didn't have much insight into what, what you mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that, girl. And it's just like, wow, I'm an adult now. Yeah, and I think, too, um, I had older cousins who all had businesses mm-hmm. of their own. And I think, in my mind, it just seemed so easy when I was younger. Oh! Oh, yeah, they, like, work in. They have so many clients. Stay rich! They, yeah. And then you grow up and you realize, like... It's hard. It's difficult. Because you make all your products with your hand, right? Like, you don't order that and slap a label. You make it. I make it. So you have to do the I consultation. Forage. I, yeah. Not forage. Yeah. Bitch, I be out here, Catherine. My damn squirrels was with Snow White. Not <laughs> forage. I don't even... I, wait, I haven't heard the word forage in so long. Forage. But as hard as it is, you said that you love it, though. I love it. Last Island Gal is your baby. My child. That's good. I really, I, yeah, I would, my ultimate goal for Last Island Gal mm-hmm. would be to make it into a product-based nonprofit. That's solid. So I would like to, like, take kids, teach them about different Bahamian medicinal plants and, mm-hmm. like, get it up to a scale where, like, we export, like, these different plants because we created a market for them. And I'm talking about exporting weeds. <laughs> Come on <laughs> that's now! A, that's what I'm talking about. Nothing nothing special. Just uh-huh. literally, like, there's so many weeds that we have here. Like, mm-hmm. so many things that just grow. Just out the ground for free. For free. You could eat shepherd's needle. Like spinach. All right, let's move along. So y'all know I ain't doing that. We're going to get into Ask the Host. For those of you that haven't listened all the way to the end sometimes, Mikey can now ask me any two questions of her choice. I have no idea what they are. They can be related to the conversation or not. Go ahead, Micah. Question number one. What made you start this podcast? Um, I started this podcast when... I wanted to start this podcast when I was in school. And there was... College talk on 103, I think it was Timmy, Mick, Amajal, Ashley. And because I was off in school, if y'all didn't know, I went to school in Wales, all the Caucasians, none of the Bahamians, like literally not all the Bahamians graduated before I went there. So I was by myself and listening to college talk made me feel, you know, a part of a conversation. Um, And I would like, you know, type questions and I would send them in and I would all of those things. And I just thought to myself, I could do that. I, I could do what they doing. Mm-hmm. And, like, I would see people, like, talking on Twitter about certain topics. And I'm the type of person that I don't really have a good gauge of um, leaving something online. So I would never engage in arguments because if I got really mad, I would want to fight. So I would, like not, like, not say nothing in, like, when people get to talking because, you know, people online get really yeah. disrespectful. But I would always say to myself, like, I have something to say and I think my points are really valid. I don't think I would say anything that would, like, hurt or give, like, the wrong message to someone. I just don't have an avenue for it. And so from I was in school, I was like, I want to do a podcast. Mm -hmm. I want that to be a thing. And it just so happened that when I came home, before this podcast, I was on the solid pub fiction for a year Mm -hmm. with um, the guys. And with that, they invited me on as a guest. I had At this point, I hadn't told anybody I wanted to do a podcast. And obviously, I was listening to other podcasts as well. 
They invited me on as a guest. I used to listen to that podcast. And then without me saying anything, they messaged me. It was like, we want you to be a regular because we don't have a girl. And that's how. So I was on that for like a year. And being on a, like I said, I'm not really comfortable with strange men. Being on a podcast with guys for a year, I was talking, but I wasn't saying much. Mm -hmm. I wasn't saying enough to satisfy me. Mm -hmm. And so then I wanted my own. Mm -hmm. So I started this. I had two, two co-hosts at the time. Now it's just me. But that's how this got started. I had a, I was on a podcast, but I guess it's like, Amanda, you have more to say. You have mm -hmm. valid things to say, and you still ain't saying it. Mm -hmm. So maybe you need to switch the surrounding. Maybe you need to make your own table because you don't feel comfortable speaking at their table for whatever. And it's not like they were silent to me or anything. Right. I didn't feel comfortable to talk. So that's how we got to Gals. I went on my own thing, so I just started it. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Do you have a second question? No, I think okay. the first one was really good. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for coming, Micah, Thanks to the Gal Cave. Me. One more time for the people. Tell them where they could find you and what they could find from you. So you can tell them what you're coming me. up and all that stuff. Okay, so you can find me on all social media at Bahama Hoop Yogi. Bahama, like Bahamas, hoop, like hula hoop, yogi, like yogi. Right, like. <laughs> Um, and then you can also check out my other stuff on Last Island Gal. That's also on Instagram. Um, I have Last Island Gal pop up on the 29th of this month at Premier Crew from 5 to 10. Um, I have classes every Saturday morning, 8 a.m. at Palm Key, $20. Uh, what else? What else? I have an a upcoming retreat. Uh, we have, like, I think, like, five spaces left mm -hmm. um, for Ibiza. So if you want to take a, a nice fall trip, hit me up. We can help you out with that. Um, yeah, and if anything else is coming up, I'll be sure to let you know. Okay, that's Micah. Thank you again. This has been a pod called Gals. Two brown girls in the two for two Get a dose of what you missed and what you never knew Real conversations, our interpretation Behaving persuasion, that's the way that we